0: Hello and welcome to Ascent's podcast, Exploring Standards. My name is Jess and in this podcast, I will be talking to the experts in the consultancy industry. At Ascent, we pride ourselves on championing international standards and in each episode of this podcast, I will be talking to expert consultants discussing standards, ISOs, consultancy and everything in between to bring you industry knowledge and updates. Hello and welcome to another episode of Exploring Standards. I am your host, Jess. And so I'm welcoming back Cathy Clements, a consultant of Ascent. Um, She is a lead auditor in ISO 9001 and ISO uh, 14001. Cathy, uh, how are you? I'm
1: very well, thank you. How are you?
0: I'm good, thank you. Uh, so you have been on our show previously, back in season one, in fact, uh, we had you mm-hmm. on. Um, your first episode was discussing. Um, iso 14001 environmental management uh then then mm-hmm. the second episode was iso for small businesses um so if those sort of topics interest you um those episodes are available um, on all our streaming platforms so you can go back and check them out but today's podcast uh we're actually discussing how we can make iso more accessible for our clients um i think this is a big one because um it can seem so daunting and you know if you're not yep. in the industry it, there's a lot there's a lot going on there so are hoping we can break <laughs> yeah. it down a bit
1: <laughs> yeah yeah yeah
0: <laughs> so uh let's go in with the first question and it's uh, all about the jargon so there's obviously quite a lot of jargon involved um mm. you know when we do anything like this so can you
1: explain some of the common jargon that people might find that might throw them yeah yeah, of course. So, I mean, the first thing to remember about ISOs is they're written by a council, if you like, of people who have either been doing this kind of thing for a very long time or they're very specifically uh, business focused, I guess, is the, is the word to use. And that means that when they write them, it's almost like legal jargon. Um, so they write them in such a way that To them, it can't be misinterpreted. A bit like the law, you make sure you don't misinterpret it, so they write it in very specific terms, which is fine um, until you get, you know, normal everyday people uh, who look at it and go, okay, and just, you know, be completely battered uh, by it. So, yeah, I mean, straight off the bat, in the first clause, clause four, there are four things that without fail my clients will go I'm sorry what now and uh, the first of which is the use of the word shall so they use shall to mean it will be done you will do this so if at any point in the standard you see the word shall the organization shall this is a thing you have to do there's no getting around it you're doing it and you're Mm -hmm. doing it this way that's why you get people like me in because we can go yes you have got to do it but here's how we're gonna make it work for your company. You know, you don't have to buy all this new tech. You don't have to go and set up this entirely new thing. You don't have to employ a person to do this thing. Yes, you shall do it. We'll make sure you're doing it, but we're gonna make sure you do it in a way that actually makes sense for the company. And there in clause four, you've got three things. You've got context of the organization, you've got interested parties, and you've got scope. And straight away, I can see you just blinking. You're just blinking at me because <laughs> what, what on earth does that mean? What does that mean? So, we're used to hearing context, you know, we hear it most, yeah. I think, these days as in, oh, it's been taken out of context. So, yeah. the context is what is the bit that gives it meaning? So, the context of the organization is what is the organization? What does it okay. do? How does it operate? Where does it operate? If you had to explain your organization to someone, what would you say? So if you remove the word context and change it for explain, it becomes explain the organization. Ah, I know what to do with that. So that's, I mean, straight away, you're coming straight in on that clause and that is what it says. That's terrifying. So the next one (laughs) down is, interested parties now I don't know about you when I think about parties I have two things as in I'm having a good time with the people I love and there's probably a lot of food or secondly yep. political parties so the yep. second one is kind of more what you're thinking a party is a group a, a an entity a thing so when we say interested parties it's a group or a place or uh, an organization that is interested in what you do and how you do it. And that opens it all up, customers, suppliers, Mm -hmm. the public, um, authorities, insurance. And that's why you get people like me in and we can go, okay, if you had to sit down and tell someone that your company was uh, opening a new branch somewhere, who would have to know that information? And that's your first point, because that opens one bit, then it opens another bit, and it leads on. So, yes, who who is interested in your company and what it does? Okay. And the third piece of jargon that I find the most confusing to most people, because I still have to think about it myself, is scope. Okay. Again, it's not a word we use in everyday life. Um, we sometimes hear people say, I'll go and scope it out. I'm particularly good at that if I go into social situations, you know, Christmas parties and things. Someone go in and scope it out and tell me whether I need to be here for 10 minutes or two hours. <laughs> that's yeah.
0: that's exactly the food situation what situation.
1: like. What's the food situation here? <laughs> so, and uh, is there a back exit in case I see someone I don't want to talk to? But <laughs> anyway, scope for me, I tend to find the best way to think of scope is you get a telescope and you're looking through the telescope, everything you see through that bit is what you're interested in. So okay. if you then imagine the edge of what you can see through a telescope is the ISO. What are you putting inside that circle to look at? If it's not in that circle, it's not on your certificate. And that's the easiest way I, I can think of explaining it, is it's the boundary, it's, it's what's included. And okay. I have to come up with these daft little things to explain it myself, because sometimes I'll get up in the morning and I'll go, sorry, what does that mean again?
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, that's fantastic. I think, you know, being able to break the, especially that first bit down that probably halts everybody to begin with, break that down and say, actually, you know, this isn't as scary as it seems. It's just, as I said, it's jargon and it's kind of, it is a bit jarring,
1: but once we break it down, yeah. actually, it's not as scary. Mm. They try and make it sound posh. Uh, I think <laughs> so. <laughs> so
0: another question, or another thing that gets brought up a lot, is uh, about the paperwork. So um, obviously, uh-huh. people have a, a lot in mind about what what is expected of the paperwork that is involved in ISO standards. You know what needs to be documented, and you know what to be printed. So, can you give us a bit of guidance um, as to what what people should expect?
1: Of course. So. <sighs> Quite a few of the people who come to us now for the ISOs, they've come across them in previous incarnations. So by that, I mean, when you look at the standard, it will say 9001, 2015, because that is the last Mm -hmm. time that they refreshed it and re-released it. So the previous versions were very paperwork heavy. Um, I started this job 12 years ago. And uh, my first client, I walked in and they handed me eight double binders. So that's not your little, you know, folders. It's your big ones that have got the lever that you open. It's got eight, eight of them. Because at the time, it used to say that things had to be documented. And that meant you had to have a hard copy people could look at. Now that's all gone. So whereas we say it's got to be documented, You don't have to have a specific document just for that, and you certainly don't have to print it out. As long as you can give people access to it, if they ask, it doesn't matter where it is. Is it on your server? Is it on a cloud drive? Is it on a USB key? One of my clients has it on a USB key and it lives in the office cabinet. And if people want to see it, they go and plug it in and have a look for themselves. Mm -hmm. So we don't print, particularly now, we're all trying to go paperless. Um, particularly if you've got 14,001, really, really daft that you used to have to print everything out for an environmental standard. But anyway, uh, so no, the, <laughs> the, irony <there. laughs> the, irony, the irony there. So nowadays, uh, we tend to say, yes, it needs to be documented. But that can include within your own paperwork you're already using. So if you're a manufacturer, You're going to have issue control within the job packet that you pass to production because it's this is what number drawing, uh, this is what um, version of that it is, it came from this person on this date. It's already there, so you don't have to make a whole new thing just for that. And that is really what I like best about my job is I like digging around and what they've got and going, oh, we can use that. Yeah, great, we've covered that, lovely, just do that. It just it's it's not as heavy as people think. Yeah.
0: Okay. And that's good to know. And that you know, I said that you might already be doing some of these things, uh, and you're doing them without even realizing. And you, yeah, and you don't need mm-hmm. to then create a new document or folder or something to to then repeat it again specifically yeah. for the um, the certificate. Yeah.
1: That's exactly it. Yeah. Don't don't make stuff work. Just don't. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> um so who is involved uh with isos in, in in an organization you know are we expecting all top management to be involved is it the whole company
1: what would you say so everyone with the company within the company has a responsibility because every single person within your company is a component in the end result however um i've had a lot of clients have said to me, oh, "See, we'd really like to start this ISO, but we never get to see top management because they're busy doing these meetings or doing this or running that." I mean, our own company, um, Robert is also a consultant. So if he had to be involved in everything ISO, oh, we'd never, we'd never get anything done. What they have to be responsible for as management is to make sure everything is being done. And all that means is to delegate it to responsible people and to check in regularly and to be there if they are called upon. So the main thing you'll find that most people struggle with is the audits because it's such a strange Mm -hmm. thing. You know, somebody is coming in and interviewing you about a job you already have in a way. Um, And that can be really strange, like, I'm doing my job, everything's working, why are you looking at me? Um, And so, yes, everyone is involved to an extent, but it's mostly stuff you're already doing. And if you're not already doing it, we work to make it make sense with what you do. So it's not like Mm -hmm. a sudden, out of the blue extra thing. Um, And yeah, everyone should, should be involved because everybody's input is so important. It's no good saying oh, yeah, 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 production can do that, lovely, no problem. And then production coming back and saying, no, they'll, actually, um, we already do it this way, and we use this software and that. I mean, we've never had a problem. Oh, well, they've already got it in hand, so we don't need to do anything yeah. else. That's that's great, we'll run with that. So, so, yeah, to an extent, everyone has a touch point, but it's not as heavy as people think. Okay, that's good to know. It's good to know that it isn't
0: either just thrown on one person and it have to be that you're hiring someone but also then the top manager don't need as much involvement you know especially when you said they're busy and they've got lots going on and they, they maybe can't be as hands-on as
1: maybe they'd like but it, you know in the reality of things often they can't they're be. kind of running a company you know the important uh, bit is yeah. they're doing the running the company bit so that people like me don't have to <laughs> we, we just do our yeah. jobs and go home so <laughs> very true
0: Need help implementing a standard or maintaining a management system? Ascent Risk Management can support you throughout any stage of your project. The expert team delivers impartial consultancy and auditing services across multiple disciplines, including information security, cybersecurity, environmental sustainability, health and safety, quality management, and business improvement. More than just box ticking, their team works in collaboration with yours to build a bespoke management systems that return real business benefits. Find Ascent online at wwwassent one which is A-S-S-E-N-T-1.com. So can you give us um, some examples of how you've helped your clients uh, make ISO more accessible for them?
1: Yes, yeah, so I think for me the most obvious one is um, I have an architecture client and as part of architecture you have to have drawings as part of the drawings you have to have dates and versions authors you have to have commentary from other people who've looked at it Um, you have to have an issue sheet that says exactly how many drawings there are for this project where they're kept uh, what's been done on them and so they get that so when I started with them they understood that And then I said, "Okay, take that and apply it to the documents your company uses. We just want a version number, a date, maybe an author, because that helps people understand they're working with the most recent thing. Mm -hmm. Um, But trying to get that switch over, oh, well, then I've got to save it in this file structure and I've got to have an issue sheet. No, 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 no. You've got the process already you're doing this version control automatically on your drawings. Just mm-hmm. apply it to your, your templates for your other things. So everything has a template and a template is updated. You change the issue number. You change the version number. I mean, these, these two terms are interchangeable. Um, issue tends to be when someone has given it out so it's available mm-hmm. to everyone. Uh, version just means this is the version. When you update your phone, it's version 492 whatever on the on the iPhones I think we're in the thousands now or something but <laughs> yeah. um, it's the same it's the same thing and as soon as I switched it around to them I said but you're already doing it you're already doing it for the drawings it's no different and they suddenly went oh so it's just it's it, it yeah. it's just making sure that I've got rid of all the old stuff out of the way and, and we now know this is the newest so, yep that's it done, you're already doing it, not a problem. Um, and that then, oh, oh, I can do that, that's fine. And it's it's that relief, which for me is really wonderful to see. Um, yeah. And the other one is things like engineering. One of the major things that people get stressed about is the non-conformance and the corrections, you know, corrective actions and things. Yeah. But the majority of products, services, you know, processes that organizations are doing. They already have that process in place. They just don't realize it. So one of my engineering companies, and I said to him, right, sometimes in audits, you'll get a non-conformance. And when you get a non-conformance, you need to investigate it to find out what went wrong so you can change it and make sure it doesn't happen again. How am I supposed to do that? Well, you just look at it and you say, okay, that went wrong. But why did that go wrong? And okay, that caused that to happen. So that how how did we get here? Oh yeah. yeah. I don't know. That's I mean, I'd have to talk to so many people and they said, hang on, you engineer, what happens when you make something and then a client tells you they've either had an issue with it or you have an issue with it before you send it out? Oh well, I look at which component it is, and then I go back to the machine it was made on and I check the machine and then I talk to the person who was running the machine. And then they check their paperwork and then we check the material it's made. for. Oh, and I was like, yeah, here we go. And then it drops. <laughs> you, you are. And that's what I, I try and always do is to find the stuff they're already doing and say, just do that, but for this thing instead. And, and you're yeah. there. It's, so this particular engineering company, they just have one um, non-conformance log Everything goes on there, everything and they just give it a different you know subject, a different category. So they've got a drop down menu on their Excel sheet and it's either a product or it's a manufacturing issue or it's a ISO issue or it's and it's already there. They've got it they're doing it, they do exactly the same thing. It's just with ISO. It's not a thing you can hold and do things with. so you have to think a little bit more you know flat. <laughs> if you see what I mean yeah. Yeah, um, yeah but this is what I like like I said I like going digging around to see what people do to see what we can already use because why not upcycle instead of just create a new thing
0: <laughs> yeah I think I think we really a relieved for you know people to hear that actually a lot of things that you're doing anyway, you, you could just adapt them or you can change the, you know, oh, yeah. there's not necessarily sorry, a big change. It's just applying things to a different way and, the, you know, and it will help mm. your
1: organisation. I mean, I always say with 9001, you must be doing it all or you wouldn't have a business. Yeah. it's You're running the business. All of this stuff is just what you're already doing only we're trying to make it more efficient for you. So if you weren't yeah. doing it, You wouldn't have a business to do ISO with. So you've just got to get the right bit, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, no, that absolutely makes sense. Um, So finally, let's go into just any final top tips that you'd like to give um, our listeners.
1: Don't panic. (laughs) Um, Especially if you buy the standard or you look at the standard. It's very easy to go, oh, wow, that's no, that's complicated, that's big. Um, but what you forget is it's so many bits to try and make it match as many organizations as possible because it, it can be applied to anything. And that's mm-hmm. why it's so almost complicated looking. But the first thing I would say is, I mean, A, consider getting someone like me in to, to at least give you a A bit of time even if you only want a day to help you know translate the jargon the second thing is don't be afraid to have a go at it and then see what happens so okay i need um a design and development process well it says here i need to write down everything that goes into it and everything goes out of it great write it down write it down and go Mm -hmm. from there see what you've got. so don't be afraid to run at it because there is really no way of getting it wrong. It's just adapting it to make it a work best for you and B make sure it meets the requirements so it does what's needed to get the certification. And I guess the third thing would be don't rush it. give yourself plenty of time because both wonderful and awful about business anything can happen at any time you can suddenly need to employ six new people. Well, you're not gonna be thinking about ISO when you're preparing six new people to take on their roles. Um, or suddenly you can you know, be acquired by another business and you're sorting that out. Or you can suddenly get an, an enormous client and they need all your time. So give yourself plenty of time and you know, be guided by what is realistic and what is comfortable uh, if you are stressed about it, it's going to make it a stressful thing. So don't go into it with any pressure if you can help it, which is a silly thing to say because business is pressure. But if that makes sense, try and go into it with, "Hey, we're going to have a crack at this. Don't worry about it; it's going to be fine." And just yeah. you know, ease your way through it in your own time. Uh, because although you can, you can get it done really fast, particularly if you hire someone like me who already knows exactly where we're aiming. But it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be the best approach for you. Um, and beware that people will need time to adjust. So yeah. the longer you give them to understand it and get comfortable with it, the smoother the whole thing is going to go. That's wonderful. Thank you so much. I
0: think um, that's really going to help our listeners um, when they're selling off with uh, ISO. <laughs> Well, thank you so much, Cathy, for taking the time to talk to me today. I really, really appreciate it. Uh, And thank you to those who are listening to our episode today. Uh, If you have enjoyed it, please make sure you rate, review and subscribe. It really does help the podcast. Um, And I will be back in a couple of weeks in another episode. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Check out the show description for links for more information on all topics discussed in the episode. If you enjoyed listening, please make sure you subscribe to our podcast and make sure to leave us a review. If you need any help with implementing an ISO standard or have any questions, please reach out to Ascent Risk Management to talk to one of our expert consultants today. We can be found at www.ascent1.com. We're also on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. All links can also be found in the show description. This podcast was produced by Jessica Ingalls and is a Clemark Studios production.